Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Yes, today we're talking about autoimmune conditions, uh, particularly induced by adjuvants. And vaccine adjuvants, they're a material inside of the vaccine that stimulates the immune system process. The problem is that these adjuvants can negatively affect the immune system as well. Now, we're going to bring up facts and data, but one thing I want you to own is that what's interesting is this is looking at how the vaccines actually work in the body can give us what we all want. Imagine this, safe and effective individualized vaccines proven beyond a doubt so by science that the benefits outweigh the risks. Now, I do a lot of talks on vaccines. Why? Because I see a huge amount of damage done by the, by, and I'm talking chronic critical illnesses, where neurologic damage, bowel disorders. I mean, and a, a lot of these people know that the vaccines are a contributing factor. Then the fact that the vaccines are actually required and forced on us, along with the lack of liability of the vaccine companies. So I'm really excited to get through with all of the psychotic politics and to really get on to helping people. So everybody, every doctor, and this is every naturopath, every chiropractor, every scientist, everybody that understands anatomy, physiology, or scientist, or science, would like to have a safe, effective medical procedure that protects the population. Anybody that's against that is psychotic. The problem is uh, what we have now is a forced medical procedure with no product liability and one of the sickest populations ever. So today we're going to talk about autoimmune disease, which is a number of chronic illnesses or diseases. We're talking over 80 of them induced by the vaccine adjuvants so that we can get this information out there so that people can start understanding that vaccines, it's possible to have a safe and effective vaccine. It really is, but that requires certain studies and certain processes. That's why we're going through this talk today. When you look at the health of America, this is the sickest captive animal species on the planet. Um, we're talking 20% of us have an autoimmune disorder, one in two get cancer, 75% um, have a digestive disorder. So this is huge. Currently, 2.7% of our kids, almost 3% of our children, have autism. Yes, you can say 97% of the kids don't have it. However, 54% of the children do have some type of chronic illness or disease. Uh, now, when we look at this, let's go back to in, in time. When we look at 1987, U.S. had 243 million people, and 45% had an illness, a chronic illness, at least one. So that's 109 million people. Now the population's increased about 23% to 314 million, and now there's 156 million cases. So you're talking a 43% increase in cases, um, but in, in the population only increased 23%. So something is happening. When we look at preview of chronic diseases, they're saying that, that sure enough, half of the U.S. population had at least one chronic condition. Now, think of this. How many people do you know, and I'm going to read off the conditions, high blood pressure, 
heart disease, stroke, diabetes, cancer, arthritis, hepatitis, kidneys, asthma, or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. That's right, half of the U.S. population has one of those conditions. One in four or 25% have multiple. So this is a very, very sick population. Now, when we look at the generally the American Medical Association, they say, look, trends in infectious disease, we're leaving the age of pestilence and famine in which mortality pattern was dominated by high rates of infectious diseases uh, to the current age of degenerative and man-made diseases. That's right, man-made diseases, and that's what we're going into. However, even infectious diseases are coming back. In fact, they increased from 1980 to 1992, increased by 58%. So what's going on with our population? Well, first, we know that there's a problem with the immune system. So what is it? Could it be the endocrine disruptors? Could it be medications? Uh, Could it be the vaccine, vaccine ingredients, toxins in our food or in our environment? Absolutely. You could put E, all the above. Well, Harvard researchers actually suggested that the main improvement in our health seen in, you know, the the 20th century, 74% of the decline of infant mortality um, was from clean water. That's it. Um, And when they look at clean water also led to the disappearance and eradication of typhoid, pneumonia, tuberculosis, meningitis, diphtheria, and they were talking about clean water technologies. And in fact, when you look at the, the questionable contribution of medical measures to the decline of mortality in the United States in the 20th century, that's actually the title of an article. They say that um, uh, the, the decline in mortality appears substantial after the point of intervention and unlikely assumption that all of this decline is attributed to the intervention it's estimated at most that 3.5% of the total decline in mortality since 1900 could be ascribed to medical measures. Uh, Isn't that interesting? So when we got this, we know clean water is good. We know most of the medical interventions uh, accounted for, you know, 3.5%. So why are we starting to die of certain chronic illness and conditions? So I'm doing some research this past weekend, and I come across my new hero, uh, Dr. Professor Schoenfeld. Now, this guy is a genius, and he's the one that coined the term Asia, or autoimmune syndrome induced by adjuvants. And, And he goes on, and this is a brilliant guy. Now, he's published more than 1,920 papers, authored 40 books, um, contributed more than 350 chapters to different books. He's on the editorial board of 43 different medical journals. This guy is sharp. Now, when the medical mainstream wants to um, deify and, and show that the vaccines are just a gift from God that's, that's unquestionable, you get brilliant scientists like this that are saying, look, we need to question. Science is never settled. And two of Schoenfeld's scientific articles have been retracted. And I'm going to bring up one of them. And in fact, this is out of the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immune Practices, Immunological Practices, 
um, the title of the article is Evidence Refuting the Existence of Autoinflammatory Syndrome Induced by Adjuvants, or ASIA. And they go in and they talk about um, pharmacological, epidemiologic studies. And, and if you know about our talks in the past, epidemiological studies, that's a type of study um, that's not designed to find a causative factor or not. Uh, it's designed to find a trend. And what they found is, uh, you know, Dr. Schoenfeld is talking about the aluminum adjuvants inside. And there's, there's actually a number of different adjuvants, but aluminum is one of them. And this article uh, th throws that one in the trash by saying, look, patients undergoing uh, allergen-specific immunotherapy received up to 500 times more injected aluminum over three to five years compared to the HPV vaccine or the hepatitis B. And they say, look, since we're injecting more aluminum and these people aren't having a response, then it's not from the aluminum. Well, that's such backwards round logic, it doesn't make any sense. Particularly when you look at the Journal of Toxicology that goes in there and talks about how high dose aluminum the body can recognize that pathogen and get rid of it. However, low dose, and the title of this article is Nonlinear Dose Response of Aluminum Hydroxide and Aluminum Adjuvant Particles, um, Selective Low Dose Neurotoxicity. Okay, that's the title of the article. You can imagine how much fun this one is. But what they found out was that it's really the smaller doses given over a long period of time have more or worse neurologic damage. Um, and they say uh, the adjuvant size, since the injected suspends correspond to the lowest dose but not the highest doses, neurotoxicity obeys. The dose makes the poison. The classic rule of chemistry appears to be overly simplistic. Yeah, you could say overly simplistic or wrong. Okay, it's flat out wrong. Uh, then we look at other articles that have supported um, Dr. Schoenfeld's idea that there's a lot of different adjuvants in there, such as neuromolecular medicine, and they talk about aluminum adjuvants linked to Gulf War and induced motor neuron death in mice. Um, it's interesting because they go in and they injected aluminum, you know, scaled down for the body of a mouse, and they found out significant motor neuron loss. This means parts of the brain were actually destroyed by some of the adjuvants. And this goes along um, uh, link, linking other drugs, like vaccines that can cause adverse events. Um, the challenge with vaccines is, like unlike conventional medicines, which are prescribed to people who are ill, vaccines are administered to healthy people. Uh, thus, you can increase the concerns over an adverse effect. Now, the key is when you look at vaccines and autoimmunity, uh, autoimmunity the, the latency period between vaccinations and autoimmunity ranges from days to years. That's right, years it can happen. So how long should you follow it? Uh, then, and the, here's a great article that talks about, think of this, arthritis, vasculitis, encephalitis, neuropathy, demyelination, and these are the most causative events reported after vaccines. And in, when, when you look at this, 
the criteria for causality are not well-defined, unlike efficacy. Safety cannot be measured directly. Because think of this, if you get a shot and you develop arthritis, would you have developed the arthritis with the shot? You know, it, it, it could have happened, it might not have. You don't know. Now, it's interesting, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices uh, at the Center for Disease Control concluded that three years later that a causal relationship exists between arthritis and two vaccination combinations, the DPT, the diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis, and the measles, mumps, and rubella. So think of this. Now, they're admitting in in a journal article that there is a causal relationship between influenza and Guillain-Barre, which is paralysis. Uh, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices and the CDC are saying it can take up to three years after a shot to, to see that causal relationship. Do you know how long they actually looked at uh, the hepatitis B vaccine? Five days. That's right, five days. And so, so let's look at this. Um, when you look at assessing vaccine safety, and this was, a, again, a brilliant article out of the Nature Review Rheumatology. They looked at between 1991 and 2001, there were 1.9 billion doses of human vaccines distributed in L.A. or in the USA area. Um, in the USA, about 130,000 adverse events were reported. Now, what theirs and the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System is, um, they're getting between 1% and 10%. So you could say that the 130,000 could be a million, could be 10 million adverse events. Uh, They don't know because it's a voluntary service. Now, there's a huge amount of of references that I'm going to put up to help people understand um, that that there are some major, major challenges um, with the, the one-size-fits-all. When we look at the European, um, or this, it's called the EPMA Journal, and the title of the article is Vaccination Autoimmune Disease is Prevention of Adverse Health Effects on the Horizon. I love that because that's what everybody wants. We want a safe, effective um, means of stimulating the immune system without contraindications that help our population thrive on this planet. Currently, the population is not thriving. It's the sickest animal species on the planet. And so this journal article goes on to talk about uh, systemic lupus erythematosus is linked to anthrax, tetanus, and hepatitis B. Rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, uh, dermatomyositis, Guillain-Barre, diabetes mellitus, idiopathic thrombocytopenia, Hashimoto's, all of these are linked to multiple different vaccines. And I'm going to be flashing this up during our talk. Uh, We're going to talk about how, uh, (laughs) and, and again, reading some of this, Uh, Let me just read the first part of it. In 1994, Stratton and co-workers published the first report of a causal relationship between several vaccines, the diphtheria, tetanus, polio vaccines, and autoimmune disorders such as Guillain-Barre, type 1 diabetes, and multiple sclerosis. 
Now, these observations raise the problem whether vaccination should be recommended or avoided in autoimmune risk patients. Now, isn't that interesting? Because you might want to say, well, what's the test that shows if you're at risk of harm from this? Currently, there isn't one. Okay, you can do a 23andMe and check um, certain susceptibilities. When Dr. Schoenfeld talks about your susceptibility, he talks about how you need the right parents that have that genetic predisposition. You need the right environment that'll, that'll predispose your physiology to it. You need to have the causative factor, which in this case would be the vaccine and vaccine adjuvants. And so you're really looking at the physical, chemical, emotional stress. So there's, there's not a definitive test. Now, what this goes on to say, uh, listen to conclusions and expert recommendations. The vaccination might display autoimmune side effects and potentially trigger a full-blown autoimmune disease. The susceptibility to a vaccine-induced autoimmunity is probably determined also by genetic predisposition with further emphasizes the importance of the mosaic of autoimmunity. It could represent a personalized medicine that could potentially uh, improve preventative me methods and therapeutic option, options accordingly with the recommendations of the European Predictive Preventive and Personalized Medicine. I mean, that makes so much sense. When, when we look at this, uh, it just, it's like, wow. Personalized medicine, actually looking at how your body responds to the environment and, um, you know, is there a better approach? Is there a better way to get your body healthy? Absolutely. And that's the fun part because that's what real science is. Now, this article goes on to state um, influenza vaccine and Guillain-Barre, multiple different articles uh, looking at it. When you're looking at diphtheria, tetanus, and inactivated polio, uh, you're looking at diabetes. And this is diabetes is associated with polio, tetanus, diphtheria, host cell pertussis, measles, mumps, and rubella. And this is the article, the EPMA Journal, 2017, September 8th. And I'll have the links for it tonight. Uh, hepatitis B vaccine associated with multiple sclerosis, hepatitis B vaccine associated with lupus and erythematosus. And, and there it's saying the latency period of several days to two years between the onset of this. Um, they noted the follow-up vaccine protocol as possible between 1 and 17 years. So there is a huge, huge amount of data talking about how this is not just a little serious, this is majorly serious. Uh, why? Because we're talking about the onset of a chronic illness or disease um, of a medical therapy that's forced on, on the public and actually um, not considered safe uh, for everyone. So let's change that. Measles, mumps, and rubella idiopathic thrombocytopenia, and they're saying it's gone from 15 months, six weeks, uh, two years. We're looking at all of these different time frames, um, and I love this, this title. If the child has not been previously immunized, the risk-benefit ratio of the MMR should be weighed against the risk of measles in the community at the time. Well, is that individualized medicine? 
not yet. Um, and then another one talks about rheumatoid arthritis. And they're looking at onset of symptoms between eight days and two weeks or six weeks. Uh, and again, when you're looking at hepatitis B, that some of this can occur years later. And Dr. Schoenfeld saying it can be years later. Nobody really knows. Now, what about HPV vaccine and primary ovarian failure? Uh, you're looking at multiple journal articles that say that it can cause damage with the ovaries. And this is a vaccine we're giving three shots to, a series of three. Why not two? Why not four? Well, it's not individualized medicine yet. Okay, this is one shot for all in the Wild West of vaccines because there is no, um, there's no liability for the product and there's huge profit incentives. So systemic lupus erythematosus. Uh, we're looking at HPV and transverse myelitis. Um, and it's interesting because they're looking at different genetic markers. And these are things that you get off of a blood test. And some of them are called HLA variants. And this is one of the things that we studied a lot when we're looking at x-rays and autoimmune conditions, that there are a number of different genetic variants that can cause it. When you look at clinical rheumatology, and again, they're going in, the mean duration time of latency between the stimuli and develop of autoimmune conditions can raise, range from 16 months to three uh, to five years. Um, and that's arthralgia, joint pain, muscle pain, chronic fatigue, uh, rheumatic conditions, autoimmune conditions, all of these. And, and think of it. If we're doing a forced medical procedure to everyone to limit a benign childhood disease, but they develop a chronic uh, condition that's going to negatively affect their entire life, what's the risk-benefit ratio? Would it be better for them to have chickenpox than the measles? Would it be better for them to actually go through certain diseases? Well, so far, the science that I'm aware of shows that it's better to have a healthy child go through chickenpox and measles than to get the, the shots. Uh, then we look at other, um, and again, I'm going to just put up article after article. And this is, when you go on to Google Scholar, which is a brilliant research site, type in um, uh, adjuvant-induced autoimmune conditions, and you'll see a huge amount uh, here's one on vaccine adjuvants causing Sjogren's syndrome. Uh, infants vaccinated with multiple vaccines at once have higher hospitalization rates than those that have fewer simultaneous vaccines. So what does that mean? Uh, according to the Journal of American Physicians and Surgeons, combining childhood vaccines at one visit is not safe. How do you like that one? I know, I know. It's, it's like you want to call up every member of your family and say, look, let's look at common sense. Here's one. Uh, the 2016 at the Immunology Review Journal. Uh, vaccines trigger brain inflammation and autoimmunity in mice. Um, another one, aluminum vaccines, highly neurotoxic, uh, given to infants. Uh, Alzheimer's victims have high levels. Aluminum is a potent neurotoxin. Yale scientist 
are saying vaccine and anorexia, obsessive compulsive disorder, anxiety disorder. So what do we have? They call it Janus-faced problem. And if you look at the old uh, Roman statues, there's one with a, uh, a person with two faces, one face on one side, one face on the other. And that's the Janus face. It means you've got one side where the vaccines can protect you and reduce the incident of certain diseases. You have the other side that they can cause serious damage to the body, autoimmune conditions, cancers. So what do we have now? By utilizing this protocol, we have the highest vaccinated, lowest infectious disease, sickest population the world's ever seen. So we're reducing the incidence of infections and we're causing man-made illnesses and diseases. And the people that are breaking from that protocol that are saying, hey, look, let's decide on what our own care is, uh, they're being um, vilified. So we really have to look at, (laughs) take a step back and look at the actual science. Anybody that's anti-anything, they have to have um, a good reason for it. Um, And I wouldn't consider myself an anti-vaxxer. I'm a pro-science. If you show me a double-blind placebo-controlled trial that goes for years that that is effective in protecting people without causing illnesses or damage, guess what? I would be behind that. Would I be behind forcing that product on the public? No, that would be stupid. That's called that's called usurping their their personal rights. We have a personal um, autonomy. It's literally we should have uh, rights over what's done to our own body. Now we're going to go over tonight and talk about um, other triggers like um, oh aluminum. Uh, and the Federal Registry, what aluminum-containing vaccines do. And, and again, there's a number of different adjuvants. Aluminum's in hepatitis A, hepatitis B, all the DPT shots, haemophilus influenza, pneumococcal vaccines. However, it's not in the live vaccines. And the live vaccines are MMR, varicella, the chickenpox one, and rotavirus. But aluminum adjuvants is just about everywhere. However, when we look at at a lot of the different journal articles, and we're going to go through the prevalence of autism, aluminum adjuvants, how these are all linked to it, the whole point of this is we have to think about the medical procedures that we're doing. If we know that vaccines can reduce the incidence of certain infectious diseases, beautiful, does that make our population healthier or sicker? Well, the standard response is people were dying of the measles. People are dying of the measles. Okay, well, when you get out of that fear panic mode and you find out that with four of the vaccine, there were four million cases a year, every year of, the, of measles, and about 400 people died. Now, in science, you would look at those 400 people and find out what was wrong with them. Did they have some type of genetic defect where measles was not good for them? In in the real science world, you would look at their nutrition, their physical, chemical, and emotional stress load. Of that 400, 
How come only 400 died out of the 4 million that got it? Well, then you look at, at their responses. Were they genetically predisposed? So then if you make a vaccine for it, do you vaccinate everyone knowing that months to years from now that that population can develop an autoimmune from the therapy? Or do you only vaccinate the 400 that, that had a negative response to the, the, the virus? And that their risk-benefit ratio, the, the risk of having damage from the vaccine, um, was much um, less than their benefit from having the vaccine. And this is just when healthcare becomes non-politicized, when people can actually decide for themselves and science rules, because science for sure doesn't rule right now. I mean, if you look at the Journal of Autoimmunity, just looking at the hepatitis B vaccine. Now, this is the vaccine given to children when they're 12 hours old. It's linked to multiple sclerosis. Okay, let me let adults receiving the hepatitis B had significantly increasing odds ratio for multiple sclerosis, optic neuritis, arthritis, um, thr lupus, thrombocytopenia, rheumatoid arthritis. I mean, huge amounts of damage. Uh, so what do we need to do? Number one, long-term randomized controlled trials. And I mean four or five years. There needs to be a genetic basis, a susceptibility basis, not just shoot first and see if you develop a response and then some moron gives you a, an, an exemption because you already had damage. No, we need to protect our public before we initiate these therapeutic approaches. Um, put the product liability back on the manufacturer. That would make sense. And personal choice to use or not use any medical procedure. We're, this is Dr. John Bergman. We're bringing common sense back into science, uh, common sense back into healthcare. God bless you, and I love you. And this will all be on tonight and tomorrow. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.